Welcome to the How I Scaled Service Podcast. I'm Caitlin Strempel, founder and CEO of Rising Ranks Digital. We help service-based businesses get to the top of their industry by getting found online. We believe that you have a message that someone needs to hear, and that message can impact the world. Are you interested in becoming our next podcast guest? Stick around to the end and we'll tell you how you can do just that. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome everybody. It is Derek Van Ness here, your host on the Small Business Big Life Podcast. And today we're here to dazzle you again with incredible insights and knowledge from someone who's been in the tech trenches, which is going to be kind of cool. I have with me today, Justin Nasiri. Justin, how are you? I'm doing great, Derek. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, really intriguing talking before we started the show here. Uh, before we get into some of this, because I'm excited to dig into some of your experience, because I think it's going to be super valuable for the listeners. Why don't you take just a, te- a sec to tell them a little bit about yourself, who you are as a person, um, what you do now, and how they can find you online if they love all the things you're about to share. Yeah, the the quick summary is I, I started my career in the Navy on board nuclear submarines. Uh, did that and then got out and went to business school at Stanford. And it was the first time, honestly, that I heard about startups that uh, big companies come from small companies. So I started a tech company called Storybox, uh, raised about $3 million from Google's chairman, Eric Schmidt, and and just went through the incredible ups and downs roller coaster that that only people who have uh, aspired to be an entrepreneur can relate to. I uh, did that for eight years, was able to sell that company. And then I started my current company, which is called Captivate.ai. And the, the easiest way to explain what I do now is we've built a technology where anyone can upload a podcast or a webinar, and we'll find the best parts of that and turn it into what we call data-driven, snackable content for social media, really helping you get a lot more value out of conversations like the one that we're having right now. Very cool. And where do people find that? Is it just Captivate.ai? Yeah, Captivate.ai. And we have a request demo button and we are still nimble and small enough that that goes to me. So the fastest way to speak to me is just to click on request demo at Captivate.ai. Look at that. There you go, folks. Somebody who (laughs) Google believed in, built a big company, and he's willing to talk to you as long as you're not going to waste his time, right? So (laughs) I say that because we keep it real here. So Justin, you've obviously seen a lot of things, been through a lot of things. Uh, I want to get some of the Silicon Valley stories here in a minute here. But before we go into all that, out of all that, if you can distill it down, if you could just give one piece of advice to the people listening about building a business, being successful, whatever you think is important, what would you say to them? So I'll, I'll use one one swear word on the podcast. If you're, if you're sensitive to that, you can... Uh use some earmuffs, but the the phrase that really holds a lot of value for me in life and in entrepreneurship is to fuck the blueprint. And by that, I mean that um, very often in life and in entrepreneurship, I'm always daydreaming about like, what is this going to be? What is this going to look like eventually? And that really can give me paralysis. It can really get me into overanalyzing and um, spending more time dreaming than actually doing. And the image that I have instead is of just focusing on whatever brick is in front of me 
and doing my best work, pouring my full presence and attention and the best that I can give to this one individual brick, knowing that I may never even get another brick. I may never see this cathedral that I'm building, but if I just focus brick by brick in doing my best work, I know that's something I can be proud of. And so, you know, it's so easy today to just kind of half-ass everything. I guess that's my second swear word, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to cultivate in all areas of my life, this sense of like, okay, if I'm talking with Derek right now, let me not be thinking about the meeting after this or the emails or the, like, let me just be here with Derek and with our audience. Let me be as honest and real as I can. And after this, let me evaluate what's the next best brick to work on. And let me pour myself into that. So that's, that's the best advice I would give to you. Wow. I love that. Um, because you know, my whole life people have given me a hard time because I'm not capable of doing much multitasking. I'm so right here right now, uh, which has really served me in working with mm -hmm. clients and the things that we do, but you know, people give me a hard time because I can't type and talk at the same time. So thank you for validating me. I feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, so I want to unpack something you said there because it appeared for a moment there to, to uh, kind of oppose two of the things you said seemed to oppose each other. One was let's work on the brick. But my question is, if you never envision the cathedral, how do you know what brick to work on? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, um, it's a really good question. And the, the way that I view it is, um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of uh, personal development work and men's work. And I, I've worked with a teacher called John Wineland. So I'm, I just want to give proper attribution. Um, <laughs> the way that he would put it, which might be a little bit more of a spiritual spin on things is kind of like, you know, sitting in silence, which mm -hmm. I, I don't do nearly enough of, but I always benefit from sitting in silence, grounding, you know, settling, and then from that place, rather than this frenetic place of activity and busyness from that place saying, what is the next right action? What is the next thing that makes sense? Mm. And when I'm not operating like that, it's almost like this insatiable appetite to do rather than like collecting myself grounding. Okay. Yes. I could pound out emails. I could do these things that feel good. Maybe that's the right answer, but let me just take a breath and what really matters in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, currently I'm redoing my website and I keep on getting pulled into different areas. But when I do settle, it comes back to like, no, you know what, what I really need to do, I have to make progress on these things. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that, that one, one of my right actions later today is I, I, um, I love Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, and he's got this metho uh, methodology for planning your day out. And I try to do that too. And I think that's a good use of time of like, okay, what are the things that matter tomorrow? How can mm -hmm. I put a spot for them? So I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't strategize. That very often for me is the brick that matters. Like, oh, I actually need to carve out time and look at my metrics and figure out where I want to go and spend time outside of the office. There's a lot of value in those bricks, but it's it's more the intention of being deliberate in what you're doing rather than just always, you know, always being busy or always trying to figure out the next chess piece that's going to make you a zillionaire. Yeah. So what I, what I hear you say it, if I had to just distill it down is focus on acting, not reacting, right. Coming into it with an intention 
And, uh, and it sounds like you've got a nice grounding routine to get there. Mm -hmm. I also work with a coach and, and he's built, uh, I think about 40 businesses now over a million dollars and sold them. So he's very good at building businesses. And, uh, essentially he has me every single day, take time to walk, listen to like some kind of instrumental music or whatever, take 20 minutes to walk. And if I want to ask a deep question or two, but really to just let my, my thoughts wander, my insight come and be aware of like you're talking about what's the work I should be doing, where should my focus be? And not even questioning it, even if it sometimes doesn't make sense. Like if that's what's coming to me, just follow that. So uh, so I love that you've got a similar routine. It's been pretty profound for me. I I love that. I love your encapsulation of that. And, uh, and I know that Cal Newport talks about that a lot, but it is, you know, those walks, especially when you have a question to ponder almost all of the big moments I can think of in my professional career did not come from sitting in my chair at the office. They came <laughs> when I was out doing something else and giving myself room to creatively recharge. Because personally, I just, I view entrepreneurship as one of the, the highest forms of creativity and, and art even of, of building something new and something that's living and dynamic. And if you're intention is to live a creative life. I believe you do need a lot more space to ruminate and have these, these ideas, uh, bloom. Well, let's, let's be honest. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you are choosing to live a creative life, right? Like whether I think a lot of people don't think of that, they think of it as numbers and metrics and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is you're creating something that did not exist before, right? You're really from zero, uh, or, you've got something that exists and you're taking it to a place it's never gone to before. So, so don't kid yourself in thinking you're not living a creative life. And like you said, Justin, I'm just such a huge advocate of like, you have to create the space. You use the word bloom. Mm -hmm. And for many years I was like a purpose coach. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that, that I said is, you know, you can't force a flower to bloom. You can fertilize it, give it sun, give it water, give it everything it needs. But at the end of the day, it has to have the space to bloom. If you just try and squeeze it, it's not going to work. And I see too many people holding on so tight that they're kind of squeezing the life out of their, out of their flower. It never blooms. Right. Well, well said. Yeah. It's, um, one of the few books I've read multiple times, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a book called Big Magic, The Art of Creative Living. And she herself is an author, but as an entrepreneur, I, I so many of her thoughts resonate with me around cultivating creativity, which I, at least in my experience plays such a big role in entrepreneurship. A- absolutely. It's kind of how you're going to distinguish yourself and be different than everybody else, right? So... Okay, good. So I don't want to dominate the conversation here. I want to I want to hear a little bit more about uh, your journey. So obviously, you were playing in one of the most competitive spaces in the world, right? Tech is highly competitive. Silicon Valley is highly competitive. Uh, what do you think enabled you to be successful there? Like so many people are in competitive industries, right? What did you do to really allow yourself to to kind of get a leg up or or move forward where others maybe get caught in the trenches? I mean, just the first thing that comes up is how much I bristle at hearing successful because there's so much of my own journey that I feel like is um, <laughs> valiant efforts to be successful and 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 many failures to get there. So I'm not even sure I I would um, 
say this is coming from a place of success or at least what what success was defined for me when I was in San Francisco. Um, I I think that um, you know one thing that I'll say is is like resilience and and I'll credit that to back to my days in the military and and I I want to own that this can be a liability like there are definitely times when I'm like banging my head against a brick wall rather than just going around it but you know I do feel like entrepreneurship is not a birthright it's a skill that can be cultivated and that means making lots of mistakes that means learning from lots of people and that means also the recognition that um true to everything in life, there is so much outside of your control. And as much as I, I have a personality that wants to believe that like I can bend you know, space and time to my will, uh, right. there are so many attributes out of my control. And so uh, you know, I think that resilience is one and going along with that is rapid iteration. And I can pinpoint some of the worst mistakes that I've made in my career as not iterating, not continuing to iterate, not listening to customer feedback, or as, as uh, one person put it, f- uh, loving more, loving my product more than my customers. Mm. And so, you know, I do believe that when I'm in a successful run, it's because I'm getting information from customers, from the industry, from my own creativity. And I'm realizing like, oh, there's a bigger opportunity here. There's something, there's a deeper way to solve this problem. There's a bigger opportunity to serve. And it can be really tempting for me to get into a comfort zone of a rut of like, you know, doing this one thing over and over again. But the success I've seen in others and in, in, in to some extent for myself is when it you just keep, you're always digging, like always asking questions, always learning, how can I serve more? How can I serve deeper? And that can lead to like the, the incredible pivots that we've all read about where a company was doing one thing and they, they're willing to drop it and, and turn on a dime to go after something that's actually meatier and juicier to follow. Yeah, we've actually experienced that the last year and a half with my company. So I, I totally get that. You're working with a customer and and so working with customers and you continually hear about a need that's that's big for them. And you say, you know, maybe we need to at first it was just helping them find answers. And then it was like, hey, this is this is important. We should probably make this part of our business, almost like you know, your own supply chain to some extent. Uh has has been really powerful for us. So maybe give me a a story of where you were able to do that. What's something where you were kind of starting in one direction and then you realized, hey, over here is like what we really need to do or just just so that people can can kind of identify not yeah. only the story, but what's the emotion behind that, right? Because I think uh, sometimes we don't talk about that. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a quick story and a counter story. <laughs> the um uh when I first started story box. It was called Video Genie and it was me and a developer in an office. And um, at the time, the the goal was to create a tool to make it easy to have like compilation videos for special occasions, like a birthday or wedding, collecting lots of different messages and piecing it together. And from fundraising, I had a story that was, you know, eventually we'll do this for businesses in some way. And so we were heads down building this product for the consumer use case, but I was at least diligent of having occasional calls to get a sense of the business application. And somehow I got connected to the senior marketer at eHarmony 
And, you know, I described what I was doing and she just ended the conversation saying, Hey, we, we have a use for video testimonials from our community. We spend a hundred million dollars a year on marketing. We should continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those rare moments where instinct kicks in. And I, I literally hung up the phone and, and told the guy I was working with, like, this this whole consumer thing is officially dead. We're going after the business <laughs> side. There's a much bigger opportunity here that's much much more pronounced pain point. So that was one where the emotion was um, excitement and certainty and clarity and openness. Like there was a lot a lot going in there, but it, it it felt as just a feeling in my stomach that you know probably the same feeling that led me to to marry my wife. You know and know that I was going to do that on the one of the first dates. Um, the counter example was you know, as we were doing this and our name was Video Genie, we had a lot of investors talking about all these great stats about the future of video. And I kept on getting feedback from clients about Instagram and about photos. And I kept on ignoring it. And a company called Olapic came along years after us and focused just on photos, what we were doing, but with photos. And, and, you know, they got bought for like $130 million, which was not my outcome at all. And so I use that as the counter example of if I had been listening to our customers, I would have heard enough about photos and Instagram to investigate. And, and I, and I want to caveat that I love Henry Ford's quote or a quote that's attributed to him of, if I listened to my customers, I would have built a faster horse. Yeah. It's not as simple as just listening to what they want, but I'm smart enough. I've got a good enough intuition. I had enough data points saying there was something with photos. I should have at least started brushing at that. And it would have led me to something I think could have been a lot bigger. Very interesting. Yeah. I always run into that. Um, I'll, I'll share a funny story. Like I grew up in Utah and I was not LDS. Right. Mm. And, uh, a lot of the girls I was dating were trying to convert me mm. to, to be LDS. Right. And I ran into this conundrum where I'm like, okay, God, are you testing my faith or do you keep sending all these pretty girls? Cause it's an obvious <laughs> choice. I should go there. Right. Like, yep. and so yep. as a business owner, I feel like we're in that. Are you sending me the data points because I need to change? Or are you testing whether I'll stick to my guns? Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And 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 as I've grown older, I appreciate nuance. Like I appreciate that there's not these black and white answers. It is mm -hmm. kind of this middle path between these two seemingly con, con, uh, contradictory ideas. Yeah, and something that was maybe the most profound thing I've gotten from working with my therapist in the last couple of months, at least, was. Uh, he said, cause it was like, well, should I do this or should I do that? I just want to do the right thing. And he said, Derek, what if there is no right thing? Yep. Right. And I think sometimes as a business owner, we want to make the right choice and it's not necessarily about a right or a wrong choice. It's just one choice or the other. And I think sometimes when we take the, uh, the significance out of it and sometimes even asking, what do I want to do? Right. Not instead of what am I, what should I do and what am I obligated to do? But really, because your passion and your desire and your commitment to a cause is so important that the sticking to your guns that way is is pretty vital. So um yeah, I'm I'm assuming you've had lots of those moments in there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I want to ask about something, and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but when you and I were speaking before the show, you, you talked a little bit about hustle culture, right? Mm -hmm. And, 
And I think there's a whole group of people out there who have vision boards and want to sit in their room and try and create the future that way. Right. And then we have hustle culture, which is pretty hardcore. I'm kind of interested in how you manage that as you were working in that environment and what your, your thoughts are there. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tweak my answer because I appreciate it when we were talking before the show, how you talked to, I think you said there is some value in that. And I, mm-hmm. and I caught myself being in an extreme of like, screw this culture. And, um, I, you know, I haven't done in a while, but I'll go through phases where I, I really like listening to Gary Vaynerchuk or Tim Ferriss and like mm-hmm. these, these things that can actually ignite me and energize me and make me want to up my game to a point and then it becomes comparative and compulsive mm-hmm. and, 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 and unconscious. And, um, you know, an example for myself, I'm, I'm really enjoying running. I, I try to run every day and it's, it's um, a real highlight of my day right now. And I'm trying to balance the joy of running and <laughs> I want to do my first ultra marathon. So I have like a training plan but balance that with the discernment of I've got a two and a half year old who's had some mild health problems that impact my sleep often. And so yesterday was a day where I was supposed to go for a run. I wasn't able to during the day, like I usually do, I was going to go at night. And then I just made that difficult decision of saying, you know, like I'm, I'm burnt, like (laughs) I'm tired. And, and there could be a value in moments of pushing through that and waking up at 4am but I made the decision, you know, that I felt was right for me of like, I, I'm just, I'm not going to run. I'm going to shower and watch TV. And that actually feels nourishing. That feels like the right thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel like it is this discernment and maybe the thing just as I'm thinking out loud that I, I resent about the hustle culture is the, um, the structure and rules that is, you know, like, you know, I see this a lot. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. every day and work out. And I'm like, that can be great to a point. But, you know, when that structure gets in the way of intuition and in the way of the, the better answer and, and, and responding to real world life, which is not sterile and, and you know, perfectly uh, shaped, again, it's the balance of like, do I need to push myself and will that serve myself and then my company in the world? Or do I need to do something a little bit easier? And, 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 you know, with running, do I need to stretch more today? Do I need to give myself a rest day? So that's the, the thing I most resent about hustle culture is the rigidity and the sense that there is an answer. And, and the last thing I'll say there is that I feel that instinctively, we applaud the the hustle like mm-hmm. instinctively i respond to the person who does get up at 4 a.m and goes for a run but like all things on social media it's only part of the story and i, I don't know <laughs> like is this is this person's relationship with their significant other great are is their health great are their finances great like i'm seeing one little snippet that i'm celebrating but at, at what cost and not to say that there's always that cost but i feel like we don't honestly look at the holistic picture of what's best for an individual. I, I couldn't agree more because money has its version, right? I do finance for people and, and they're people who are optimizing or anything for another, for the next dollar. But you, for me, what it really comes down to is quality of life, right? Where hustle serves you, you use it and, yep. and be dedicated and not afraid to hustle. If you can't hustle, that's a problem. But mm-hmm. if all you can do is hustle, that's a problem, <laughs> that's right? Just like that's riding great. a bike, yeah. you need different yep. gears. 
and you need to know when to use them. And there's Mm -hmm. a time to downshift and go, you know what, we got to climb this mountain. And there's other times where you're like, okay, we're going to coast down the other side and, and catch up and enjoy the view and all of that. And I think, like you said, using your intuition, when you create space, you can feel that a little bit better of like, okay, is it time to downshift or is it time to go into high gear? And like you, I'm making this up on the fly, but this is kind of yep. how, how I have to think of it too, because I have the same thing where I have to really crush it sometimes in other days. Like, you know what? I need space. I hit the wall. And at this point, <laughs> decision fatigue is a real thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the gear metaphor. And as you say that, what comes up for me is this sense of like, yeah, hustle is a gear and self-compassion is another gear that yeah. doesn't get the play and it's not sexy and it's not glamorous, but like, you know, I know, I know that I myself have benefited far more from self-compassion than hustle and they play well t- together. But like one, one of these children is getting a lot of spotlight while the other one's in the corner. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of reasons for that. So, so Justin, I want to take just a minute, highlight your business. So as people are talking with us, what is it that your business is specifically designed to do? Who do you serve? Well, what are you set up to do? Obviously people can get direct access to you, which is such a value to somebody, you know, to work with a, a business where you can really talk with the brains behind it. So just tell us a little more about that and what makes you guys unique in the space. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we're we're trying to support our clients in is is what I call top of mind marketing. And that is, you know, you and I talk today, we like each other. Maybe it's not the right time for us to work together. Maybe that's 6 months from now. How on earth do I make sure that 6 months from now we think of each other? Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about social media is it allows you to unobtrusively stay top of mind for your network. And a great way to do that is consistently adding value. You know, just teaching, sharing, adding value. Mm-hmm. And so it can be very difficult, especially when there's what six or seven different social media channels that you're focusing on. It can be difficult to develop enough ammo to do that day in and day out. And that's really our goal is to create that that ammunition for you. So our ideal client right now, typically if a company has 21 to 250 employees, that's kind of our sweet spot. They've got a little bit of marketing team or maybe a big marketing team. They've got the resources to actually really publish content consistently. We're just going to help them by creating really compelling and captivating content to post. And so um, you know, the, 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 that's kind of the ideal. And we work with every vertical. We work with a, a hair product company called Olaplex, a dating app called Coffee Meets Bagel. We work with a lot of B2B companies, cybersecurity. So industry doesn't matter, but generally, you know, the company has to have about 20 employees mm-hmm. to effectively leverage this. And I aspire to get down to the solopreneur because there's so much value we could provide there. But generally, there's either not a budget there or it's one person playing all the drums and they just don't have the room to be posting at the capacity that we we allow. Fantastic. Well, that that's super helpful. And, and people can find you at Captivate.ai, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So the, the last thing I want to do here, Justin, before we part ways with the show is ask you or give you a space to... For 30, 60, 90 seconds, say anything that you want to say 
related to what we've talked about or not, business or not, what do you think it's important to share with the world uh, right now? I, I think the biggest thing, you know, coming from me, it, when, when I came from uh, the Navy to business school, there were a lot of people that um, unintentionally were a little bit derogatory of like, hey, you don't have any business experience, so yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it it created this sense that, that certain people have a birthright for entrepreneurship. And I feel like um, we really put successful entrepreneurs on a pedestal where we're trying to look at their DNA and see what uniquely allowed them to achieve this thing that everyone wants. And I, I think that we lose out on so many uh, entrepreneurs that would be exceptional that might not feel like it's an inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, coming from someone who worked on a submarine and is now building technology, like it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter any of the characteristics of how you would identify. Like there is a place in entrepreneurship for everyone. And there are no shortage of ways to achieve your goal. Like you can see the person who works 18 hours a day and there are others who work two hours a day. Like it doesn't, success does not have to take one mold. And and one reason why I think that's so important is that there is a whole industry of people preying on selling advice. This is the way to get to seven figures and it may work. I want to encourage you to learn and always be learning but also realize you can pave your own way. You can create the success that you want. It will take a lot of work, but don't let anyone tell you that you have to do things a certain way or you have to look or be a certain way in order to achieve success. Hopefully, if you're you know, an aspiring entrepreneur, you just consider that one more thing to rebel against and, and just kind of off-road in your own direction. I love it. Well, well, thank you for taking that time, Justin, to kind of share your thoughts and your insights there. Really have uh, appreciated having you on the show. This has been a lot of fun for me to kind of dig in with you and your unique experiences. And uh, I just want you to know that we appreciate you being here. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Caitlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the How I Scaled Service podcast. If you're a business owner who has successfully scaled their business to multiple six figures or more, and you would like to be on this program, visit risingranksdigital.com forward slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, I would love for you to share it with your network. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social channels. If you know someone that would be a great guest, make sure to tag them to let them know about the show and include the hashtag HowIScaledService. I love seeing your posts and your guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and truly mean a lot to my team and me. Want to stay in our world? Go to our website, risingranksdigital.com, or follow me on LinkedIn at Caitlin Strumple, Facebook at Rising Ranks Digital, and Instagram at Caitlin Strumple. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.